Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review, and welcome to our Down to Business podcast, our weekly podcast where we look at various issues affecting New Hampshire's business community. And this week, we have our all-star staff from the Business Review together. We have Lisa Ryla, our associate editor, and we have Bob Sanders, our crack staff writer. Uh, anyway, this past week, once again, has been dominated, obviously, by the coronavirus and the response to it how the New Hampshire economy is responding, how businesses are responding to it, and just, reg- and just obviously just regular people. So, Bob, this week you did a story on our website, on NHBR.com, about uh, the, this Paycheck Protection Program, that massive $350 billion program that the federal government started that's designed to help to entice businesses to bring people back to work, to pay them, in exchange for very low interest loans and possibly even at the end, getting their money back, you know, not, not paying anything. So could you tell us what you found? I understand it's, it's quite a lot. It's, it's been described as the wild West out there. Could you tell a little bit about what you found in your reporting? I would call it more like the gold rush. We have a uh, uh, 359, uh, $349 billion pot of gold and it's first come first serve. Um, and, um, and what you do is, and, and it, most of this loan will probably be forgivable. It's complicated. Some people will have to pay it back. But even if they do pay it back, it will only be 1% um, over two years, and you don't have to make uh, any payments for, for six months. But if you spend that money on the equivalent workforce that you had, you know, on average last year, you will be able to... Um, to get it all back. You'd have to spend about at least three quarters on the workforce and you can spend another quarter on, uh, on rent and, um, interest and other expenses. Uh, you just can't lay, you got to have the same number of people roughly and the same hours and the same pay. So you can't, you, you gotta bring them back. Basically that's the idea. Either bring them back at the end or just don't let them go. Um, and you'll be able to pay them for two months. Uh, or eight weeks. So that that's the deal. So it's basically, as one person said, it's free money. I mean, even if you have to pay some of it back, it's basically free money. Um, and um, the, the, the problem is they have to go through the banks to get this. They can't just go through the Small Business Administration, which is administering it. The, the SBA guarantees it. The SBA pays the banks. The SBA also gives that forgivable part of the banks way before the banks give it to the employees. So um, it's uh, it's a good deal for the banks. It's a good deal for businesses. And uh, it's supposed to shore up the economy in this uh, with, you know, due to the coronavirus. Yeah. I, I sw- yesterday we had a uh, what I'd say was a pretty successful webinar uh, on, on this uh, on the CARES Act, which is Paycheck Protection Program is part of it. And we spent a lot of time talking about it. And we had three experts talking about it. And one of the things we did was a survey at the beginning. And it, 40, we had about 200 people attending. And over 40% had still not applied. Yeah, And I understand that pot of money is limited. It's $349 billion. And it's first come, first serve, like you said. Now, I know in Washington, they're they're 
talking about adding another $250 billion to it. But what is it like now with, with these banks? I, I talk to people. I know, I know the head of a nonprofit who, whose bank wasn't doing it on the very first day, April 3rd. I had to wait till Monday, April 5th to, to apply through her bank. So she went through other community banks, and they were all very nice to her. But they said, look, we have to take care of our customers first. So she had to wait for this big – her, her bank is a big regional bank, and she couldn't get through. So she's at the end of the line, and who knows if there's going to be money for them. So what's, what are the banks doing? They, they seem to be scrambling themselves. Yeah, well, it's – it's this volume is – they never had anything like this. I mean you have banks making 10 loans that are dealing with 150, 10 loans all year, SBA loans. And now they, in a matter of a day, they have 150 applications in their door. Uh, these banks have to take care of their customers, and it's un, unlikely. I don't know, but it may, may never get to anybody else. So it's almost a matter of luck. If you have a bank that's an SBA lender, you're in luck. If you don't, you may not get this money. I mean, a fifth of it's gone already. I, actually, a fifth of it was gone on Tuesday. Uh, I, I'm trying to get numbers uh, for this podcast, which is on Friday, and um, and there was uh, we don't know, but I would imagine another fifth is gone, or at least a a, a, a good portion of a fifth is gone too. So it's it's not going to last very long. Now um, the banks also they have to get their systems up. Some banks have a portal, and people have to deal just with the website. Others uh, just give emails and phone numbers out. They're calling people all hours on the weekend in the evenings um uh, that some banks have you know because of banks banks are dealing with a lot of stuff they have first of all they had this whole the, the interest rates are going down like crazy so bank they have this for uh, refinancing rush going on and um secondly they they can't um open they, you know they they can't have their lobbies open people can't come in so um they have to go phone, email, drive through. People are working from home. They're just getting used to that. And they have this uh, rush of, of uh, applications. Plus, this is a new program. The SBA is changing its, uh, its, uh, you know, its guidance almost every few days. And they got to check up and say, well, what kind of loan is there's, there's certain parameters. Is this person eligible? Is not. One of the big things early on was, uh, was uh, chains and restaurants uh, or other chains are the there's a you can't this is for small business under 500 employees so is the individual store count or or restaurant or is it the whole shebang and uh, they they ruled it was the individual um, and uh, but that was another big thing that was that was uh, up for grabs in the first few days. The other thing is that we talked about this earlier, you and I uh, yesterday. There's this also this EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, which is another you know government acronym, and that's just handled completely by the SBA. And that's where you could apply for a ten thousand dollar grant. Just they'll give you some money if you prove you had economic disaster in, injury. Now you told me yesterday that there were people who applied before May, March thirty first who may have to reapply. Could you explain yes. that to me? Yes, because they added, an, uh, because of the CARES Act, which is the same thing that causes these paycheck protection programs on the same law, um, they added 
another um, grant, and this is a, a 10,000 grant to these emergency loans. So when you get the emergency loan, you also get this free money, 10,000. Uh, but people who are applying for these emergency loans, which have been around for hurricanes and other disasters, uh, uh, a long time ago, you know, uh, you know, ever since it started, and they're going to have to um, re, you know, they they have to reapply now that they have this this grant involved. And I don't think a lot of people know this. Uh, yeah. This was I heard this in a webinar from the SBA administrator. Um, I I don't know if the words got out, and people are waiting around for their money, and they may never get it until they reapply. Yeah, and that has a that has a limit too. It was There's interesting 20... in our webinar yesterday. There were several people who were asking questions related to this. They said, well, "I applied. I haven't heard anything from the SBA," and they, it sounded like they applied very early, and they were concerned because they hadn't heard yet. But for the SBA, you know, to be fair, the SBA what usually handles what twenty one billion dollars in loans a year, and this is three hundred and fifty billion, or and the AIDL is even more. I mean, that, that <laughs> is a lot weeks, of money yeah. to go through <laughs> one agency. So anyway. So, Bob, anyway, thanks very much for that. I think we'll be back after this break. This episode of Down to Business is brought to you by the New Hampshire Business Committee for the Arts. The New Hampshire Business Committee for the Arts invites you to its annual Business in the Arts Awards on the digital stage with a week-long virtual celebration of the arts from May 11th through the 15th. The NHBCA's signature event recognizes businesses of all shapes and sizes, individuals as well as organizations, for working together to build some of New Hampshire's most vibrant, diverse, and prosperous communities. Go to nhbca.com to register for your backstage pass to this one-of-a-kind awards event. Be among the first to know who made the biggest splash with their contributions to New Hampshire's robust arts and cultural scene last year. This year's nominees come from every corner of the state, including Keene, Lebanon, Concord, Nashua, and Exeter. Make sure you are part of the excitement. Sign up today at nhbca.com for your VIP access to the 36th Annual Arts Awards. Okay, we're back. And uh, I think we'll switch gears here because this will be, you know, with the last several weeks, unfortunately, we've been talking like a lot of bummer stuff and you know, talking about the coronavirus, unemployment, real estate transactions down, the PPP snafus and all that. So what I want to talk about, this is one of the solutions, one of the, the way uh, most many businesses in the state have met this, try to meet this challenge of coronavirus with remote working. And Lisa Ryle, our associate, did a, a great story that's in our current print edition and digital edition, if you can check it online on remote working, she talked to several IT providers, the people who do actually helping companies work out this remote working thing, because it's some, and many businesses have never done this before. So Lisa, could you tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about what, what you found in your reporting? Yeah, it was interesting. So what I spoke with some IT firms, including uh, Systems Engineering, Twin State Technologies, and what they said was, Obviously, some businesses saw this coming um, a couple weeks before the governor's stay-at-home order um, and where he also closed uh, non-essential businesses in terms of their um, you know, workplaces. He, there were some businesses that were reaching out to IT firms looking to set up their remote capabilities. 
And so they said that it seemed like with each following Monday, they had more and more companies that were um, interested in setting up remote capabilities. And it's really a mix where, you know, we've all at some point worked remotely, but to entirely shift all of your operations online was um, complicated, for instance, for the banks that Bob mentioned. Everyone is still adjusting in some way. But um, it's interesting. I think now they said people are uh, getting used to this format. Uh, but obviously, it's a whole different world for everyone working entirely remotely. Yeah, the interesting thing is that, you know, because here at the business room at McLean Communications, we've been working remotely and we kind of had little uh, fire drills or, you know, experiments in this over the years, especially as as our uh, network became more robust and we had this, we had a really good access to server remote, there was server remotely. So whenever there was like an ice storm or a really big snowstorm, we worked remotely from almost the whole business day, except that people could walk to work and that seemed to work. So we were kind of ready for this. But like you said, there were businesses that never even considered this before. And no. What, and they. And I was going to say, well, how, how are they just acting? To, I mean, what, what are they doing? Well, what's interesting is it's kind of pushed those businesses that were not really open to remote capabilities. It's obviously forced them to, um, to accept these new technologies. And it seems like some of them are warming up to the idea. So um, speaking with, um, I think it was systems engineering told me that they did have some companies that had to rush out and buy laptops. Cause one of the most important things is, um, you know, it's funny cause one of the old trends was, you know, we would talk about bring your own device to work. Well, you can bring your own device to work, but when you're working remotely, you really need a company owned device because that is going to be the most secure in terms of, um, you know, uh, hacking and cyber attacks. Uh, So they uh, found that there were companies that had to rush out and buy laptops, had to get virtual private networks set up for some employees, and had to buy additional licenses. But um, it seems now that they have, uh, that things are going well. Yeah, and and one of the other things that you did, you in a separate thing, you you reported on how internet use has, has really skyrocketed in a lot of cases in New Hampshire, obviously reflecting this new uh, shift to uh, remote working and, and remote and actually remote education. I mean, it's everybody's remote now for the most yes. part. Comcast and Consolidated Communications said that internet usage is up 15 to 30%. Um, and what's interesting is they noted that wow. um, it's really between the hours of noon to four that they see a surge um, and they think, I mean, um, con- the spokesperson at Consolidated Communications told me that he suspects parents are busy with their kids in the morning. And once they get them set up and they finished with their schooling, then they're um, switching to their own online work. So he thinks that, you know, some kids do have um you know, they're doing uh, uh, video chats with their teachers, so they're also using the internet. But I think that that surge really in the afternoon is more so from all the parents finally coming online and doing their work. Uh, so it's interesting to see that shift that's occurring because um, they are seeing differences too. For instance, with the upload times, it used to be um, uh, the surge of uploads was at 9 p.m. at night, but now they're seeing it throughout the day. So they're seeing that more workers are sharing files actively throughout the day um, using their home networks. And also something else that's interesting, uh, Cam Schilling, an attorney for uh, McLean Middleton, who's an expert on, on cyber cybersecurity law and all that stuff. And he wrote a piece for us that's also on uh, the website 
on video conferencing and you know basically talking about the the massive increase in the use of Zoom. So I mean I would think noon to four is also a lot of times when businesses hold their meetings. <laughs> Could be had too because uh, apparently Zoom once once of ten million monthly meetings and now it's up to two hundred million. It's just a massive increase in the use of Zoom. And you know they have the whole mess with Zoom bombing and everything, but it's it's like you know everybody is just scrambling to do the same thing that uh, everybody else is doing at the same time. Well, and the thing is too, Ryan Barton with Mainstay Technologies told me that um, well he recommended that as we're working remotely, obviously we're not seeing as much uh, you know you're only seeing the people in your household. So he really stressed that companies should be doing more of these video conferencing so that we can see each other and kind of maintain that company culture that otherwise you might lose if you're not seeing your coworkers day in and day out. Like we're doing right now because we're doing this on go to meeting. Exactly. So see everybody else. Uh, and that's true because you don't see anybody and it, it is kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of makes you a little stir crazy. Let's say cabin fever, cabin fever 2.0. Um, anyway, Lisa, another one of your fi- things you found in your reporting is that some of these uh, experts were saying that this, this whole shift might actually change the workplace going forward. After we get out of this whole mess, that businesses might say, that, oh, this is a pretty good deal, this remote uh, working. What, what did they yeah. say about? Well, I think especially Ryan Barton, who is, um, you know, more in the, you know, he's in the, his like 30s. So he's very familiar with um, working remotely, technology. Um, he was saying that um, companies will probably become more comfortable with employees working from home at least a couple days a week. It's kind of finding that mix of obviously we're all now having to work entirely remotely and we don't want to do that forever. It's a little isolating. But realizing, too, that we can get work done from home, um, that we have the technical capabilities to do so. So, um, so he's thinking that more, employee, more companies will get relaxed in that sense where they'll allow employees to work from home a couple days a week. Um, but as uh, I was speaking with uh, systems engineering and Todd Malloy was saying, he pointed out that, you know, you need that day-to-day interaction, too, to have what he called, uh, it was a collision uh collisions of conscience. So, you know, if you're having a meeting, it's easier to loiter behind in a meeting and kind of have these um, still continue to share ideas versus with a webinar, you know, everyone just clicks out at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. My, my wife uh, teaches at Southern Hampshire University, you know, in a regular classroom, but they're, they're all remote now. And she was remarking the other day because, you know, no one has more meetings than academics. So they're doing a lot of Zoom meetings. And she was say, to, remarking how much more tiring it is to do a Zoom meeting than actually do a meeting when you're face to face talking to people. Because you know, you just there's there's, a, there's some kind of a tension that's in your body when you when you're when you're just on a screen and not able to like do body language the way you really used to. You're right. It's not as natural as in person. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, uh, anyway, thank you very much, Lisa, for that. And uh, we are uh, running out of time here, so I'd just like to thank Lisa Ryla associate editor and Bob Sanders, staff writer. And I want to thank you all for listening. And this is Down to Business. This is Down to Business for April 10th, 2020. And this is Jeff Feingold signing off. Take care, everybody.